everyone dreams of living an uncommon life. And the best asset you have to achieve your dreams is you. Welcome to the Uncommon Wealth Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living uncommonly. We're also going to give you some tools and strategies for building wealth and for pursuing an uncommon path that is uniquely right for you. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Uncommon Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Aaron Kramer. And we're excited to bring another one for you today. This is an exciting one. We have uh, multiple guests on this one. trio going on. And they've written a book, which always makes you think like, well, they mean some business, okay? And so what I would say about this just earlier, just kind of getting all... This is actually Aaron Kramer's people that brought on. So he's going to be the most of this, kind of the, the tip of the spear, as you will. But just talking to them, I cannot wait to unpack this content fun yes so i know jeff jeff is like he's an entrepreneur scholar super smart i i'm gonna save some questions here so you don't spoil it like how many languages he speaks oh, and things like that wow super fun to talk to and he's introducing us to matthew and tony at the same time here on the, for this trio right but these are some really top end smart top of their careers. Yeah. People. So here's what I get excited about. One, here's who we are. If it's if you guys are just listening to because the guests, I get it. But thanks for, for listening. Uh, but we're advisors that really get passionate about telling people they're your best asset. You are your best asset. There won't be a stock market. There won't be a stock. There won't be anything else. But you are going to be putting more money in your pocket than anything else. And we want to be advisors that not only help you get more money, but we want to make sure that you're enjoying it in the process. And so when I get excited about people who have talked to a lot of people, gleaned a lot of wisdom from them, and then compiled information... I love it because they've done the hard work for us. That's why these people are on the show. Yes. All right. Who wants to start talking first? But welcome to the Uncommon Wealth Podcast. Uh, you guys are on. Jeff, you got you to introduce your friends here. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, as a pandemic project, uh, Tony Thielen of John Deere fame and Matthew Mitchell, with whom I have the pleasure of leading Baton Global and working with at Drake University, uh, thought up an idea uh, about uh, how to help people early in their careers. And um, we, we now, uh, in October of 22, published a book called Am I Doing This Right? Uh, so what we're going to do, I think, is we'll tell you a little bit about the origin story of the book. I'm maybe going to pass it to Tony uh, so he can talk about the very initial thing that led to gathering the data. And then we'll tell you a little bit more about the format uh, and hopefully inspire you to become the fourth author with us if you grab a copy and dig into the content there we go i mean the the copy of the book just is like the story of my life every day am i doing this right yeah Yeah, this is a great i love it i love it okay thanks for the introduction jeff all right matthew tony who's going to be the first one first john deere you got out of john deere i see that's exciting no i'm i'm still still doing it still with john deere but um (laughs) in the spring of 2020 when the pandemic was bearing down I really started to think about my broader arc of my life and, you know, how can I stay positive and constructive? And secondly, how can I do something that I'm in control of while things around the world are falling apart? So I decided to go back to school and get a PhD. And I decided to write a book about the lessons I've learned over 35 years with John Deere. Brilliant. Through a series of daisy chain conversations around the United States, talking to professors One of them said, you need to talk to Matthew Mitchell. He's in Des Moines. He's right next to you. 
uh, he would have some bright ideas for you and he might even sponsor your PhD. So I got really excited and I was like, this is great hometown, you know, colleague that I could work with. And I called Matthew and after one hour of explaining to me what really happens when you get your PhD and what it, you know, brings to life, he talked me out of going after the PhD and it was some of the best advice I ever got in my life. Love it. That's uncommon even, advice. Yeah. Even today, I seriously thank him from the bottom of my heart for the grounding that he gave me on that solid advice. But at the end of that conversation, he said, but tell me more about this book. And I said, well, funny, funny, you should mention that. I put a survey out on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm overwhelmed with the level of stories I'm getting, the number of them, the depth of them, the sincerity of them, people pouring out their life's greatest lessons. But I had a problem with the volume and the scale, and I didn't know how to handle it. And and uh, Matthew explained, hey, there's text analytics software that can help you cluster some of that information to draw insights out. And I might be able to help you with that. And I says, tell me more. And that led to bringing Matthew on as a co-author and later Jeffrey. And for the next year, we worked via zoom independent did not meet each other in person for a year working on that manuscript and i tell you what my original ver version of it only got better during that time and got more complete over that time frame and that's ultimately what led to the book that uh you saw earlier in the program yeah yeah no that's good i've got a question for you tony are you married i am nice kids years 30 years yep. and three daughters three daughters okay so when you come to your wife and was like hey I want to go and go back to school or I want to pivot here or I want to create something. Tell me how instrumental she was in either supporting <laughs> or like, I'm tapping out, Tony, don't do this. Yeah. Like tell yeah. me about that. it's, it's actually the opposite. You, you don't survive 35 years of John Deere and moving around the nation uh, nine times in 14 years. Yeah. And you don't, you don't survive 30 years of marriage, raising three daughters without having a supportive spouse. So the first thing she said was, how can I help? And I says, well, I'm, I'm not that familiar with Google Forms or Microsoft Forms. Can you help me de design a survey? So she actually designed the actual survey that went out to LinkedIn to get the information. So very supportive awesome. from day one, as in, how can I help? That's awesome. Yep. And then Matthew, you get a call and you say, hey, man, you don't want to do this. <laughs> like, it's going to be expensive. And at the end of the rainbow, yeah, hold back. So tell me about that conversation. I'd love to start there and then uh, take it away. Listen, if, if, if we're talking about living uncommonly, um, it took about 30 seconds for me to recognize that, that Tony lives uh, uncommonly. He lives a life that, that he owns, he charts out and, and just has a privilege to impact those around him and is magnetic in many ways, but pours himself into others with, with challenge and compassion, right? So challenging us to be sort of our best, but also compassion. When when we don't sort of live up to our, our own expectations or his and and within a, a few moments it was just it was somebody that we wanted to to hang around to be you know associated with you are the company that you keep and and he had a passion for for sort of telling these really heavy stories um they were flowing into his inbox and and i would say in his words he was impressed but also humbled um when, when you ask people questions like, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? What's your biggest regret in life? It, it's an invitation to others to tell their stories. Mm. And then how you handle those stories 
is is a testament to to your character and a testament to Tony's character. And he's like, okay, now I I have to steward these stories. I have to you know address these stories with respect and responsibility and and, and honor and lift up these stories. And that's ultimately what became the book. Um, and and I would say he started with an idea of of sixty themes that came out from all of the data. And ultimately, we tailored and crafted it down to eighteen ideas because most of the best advice we've received um, based on our data is early on in our life. And so we, we identified 18 to 25, 18 to 30 as that, that formative period. Um, and we have, um, you know, four, and maybe this is a good opportunity just to, to give you a little bit of background about the, the structure of the book, but we have four key questions that we answer in the book. And it's things like, who am I? Mm-hmm. Where do I want to go? How will I get there? And what can I learn along the way? So within each of these four sections, we've got things like, you know, balance, purpose, um, well-being, which was probably one of the, the dominant themes uh, of all leaders. Um, other things like goals and, and giving and receiving feedback. How will I get there? We talked about teamwork, um, relationships and overcoming adversity. And then um, I think of particular importance to, to you, Philip and, and Aaron, um, the fourth section has, you know, what can I learn along the way? Learning, resilience, listening, but, but then we focus grouped it with a lot of young people. And they said, we really need some, you know, very practical guidance on financial literacy. Mm. Um, Tony then came back and said, uh, what is it, Tony? The, the fourth wonder of the world or the, or the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we wrote an entire chapter on financial literacy, which was wow. just a huge hit. And that nice. goes for career advice as well. The earlier you get it, the, the more it compound pays off down the road. Yeah, I'm a simple person. So sometimes when I hear a lot of characters, I just want to know and how they fit in. So one of you, I want to know each specific role that you had in writing this book. And then yep. how did you define those roles? Because you were remotely. So like, did you have to like, all right, let's talk through this here? Or was it just like a natural fit? Uh, but first, let's talk about like, whose role, what they do. So every, I, myself and the listeners can understand that. Tony, why don't, why don't you take it and we can go into the, the framework of each chapter. Yeah. I, I started out with a, um, a vision in mind and we even, even kept the title as the North star that pulled us along throughout all of this. And I was going to write the book, no matter what, you know, it was going to be something at the end of the day. So I kept um, true to that vision. I brought forward my part of my 35 years in each beginning part of the section of the book. Each chapter has a story that's very personal from my life Mm -hmm. and serves as a constant theme to open up each individual chapter. And then after meeting Jeffrey and Matthew, the depth of the book deepened when we started to put on each chapter tools and techniques that they saw were effective in the university setting as well as the consulting setting on that particular topic. Then on the third section of each um, of each chapter, we pulled in elements from that survey. And that's where it was serious help from Matthew and Jeffrey mm-hmm. using text analytics software to really understand the science behind massive amounts of input 
mm-hmm. and then selecting the most important um, important uh, uh, tidbits of advice from people all around the world. And then the fourth section of each chapter is questions that we came up with. And and I would say the three of us put that together uh, in the the benefit of all of our career and put down the the most thoughtful questions at the end of each chapter. In looking back on it, I probably had the architecture of the book in mind and the, the vision of what it could become. Um, Matthew and Jeff both seriously contributed to um, the final uh, selection of the 18 chapters, as well as the tools and techniques. And then I can't say enough about the professionalism. And and I know Jeff spent an inordinate amount of time helping to go through numerous editions of the manuscript to make sure that the text was consistent to make sure that it it flowed and it, there was a commonality in the the uh, manuscript from stem to stern, um, and together the three of us, I I feel like I couldn't have asked for a better team bringing those different tools to the project. That's good. Thanks for going through that. That's helpful. What is I want to keep the end in mind here. What is the definition of success for? Am I doing this right? Writing this book from you guys' perspective? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll jump in and then hand it. This is a good question for all of us to answer because it it might have slightly different variations. Yeah, on it, yeah. But to me, did we make a difference in somebody's life? Mm. And did we serve somebody in a way that honors the thousands of people that served my career over mm. 35 years? And is this a, a solid step forward in giving back to others? You know, it was never... We, we agreed early on it wasn't about making money. It was about producing a product that could be useful in a lot of people's lives. Uh, Matthew or Jeff? Good. Jeff, take it away. Um, uh, one of the... Go ahead. I was say, I think one of the messages of the book is that uh, you need to enjoy the journey to success and that the definition of it may change as you go through your lifetime, as your career advances, as you have new experiences. We really worked with 30 young leaders, the part of the book in hand, and they said, um, what, uh, I, I, I want a perfect job right after college. And we all said, well, that's unlikely to happen. But if you're making deliberate decision, you're probably going the right way. And so in some ways, the decision is the decision that we're trying to orient people towards. And I, I, I would say, listen, Jeff and I both um, have had careers um, in, in industry and, and then moved back into the classroom, a very purposeful decision mm. uh, to have impact in people's lives in a very different way. Um, and so we have that opportunity, both intimately and in, in, in seminar sessions. Um, I'm, a, I'm a teacher and professor uh, at Drake University and literally teach the very first class to 250 and Entering first-year students whose brain stems haven't fully formed yet. They're not quite fully human beings. And then um, I teach the very last class to so the Capstone MBA strategy. Um, and, and so we have that opportunity. But but when Tony invited us to participate in this project, it's how do you take that and scale it in a different way? Mm. Um, but I know you guys have written your own book, and, and there's other, you know, reasons why you write books, right? Um it's it's a little bit of legacy. It's a little bit of of self challenge. 
It's a little bit of a, a tangible project and framework to capture your own reflections and and get them out in into the to the public sort of sphere um and i would also say we we joke you don't write books to make money um that Amen is that Amen for sure that. that'll preach <laughs> yeah um you don't even write books about money to make money right um, right you know but uh what we found is that um, writing a book gives you a platform. Uh, as professors, we write a lot of articles and we write them for like seven other people in the world that can understand them or who, who care. But books, um, it, it gives you an opportunity to talk to people. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to sort of dream with others. Um, you know, we spoke to a thousand med students, uh, last week that, that sort of are focused on teamwork and how do doctors and nurses and psychologists and pharmacists all come together to work as a team. And a lot of the messages in this book really, uh, I think, um, encourage and also empower those folks to do what they do best. Um, and so getting a chance to meet those folks and celebrate their journeys is, I think, a key outcome. That's success, Aaron. Totally. Okay, that's really good. I appreciate you guys walking through that. Uh, last question. What Here's what I would say that it really gets me excited is that you wanted to serve the people that were behind the stories. Oh, you guys are talking about that. I was like, this is music. To oh, years. man. Like, because each one of these stories is an individual and that story means the world to them. So the fact that they would actually go out and, and communicate that with somebody, one, it shows how much trust that Tony can get uh, or in, in a quick way. Right. And then, and then also how that they knew that after they said it, that it was going to be treated well, like yeah. it's not just going to be changed or like, Hey, we're going to change this because this is not as good for sales or whatever. Like, no, we want to be a good servant of the story and represent you in a positive way. My next question, and then I want to go into the content of the book, and that's probably where we'll probably remain. But did you go hardcover or soft cover? Because that's important. <laughs> uh, we went soft cover. And, soft cover. Okay. And Kindle. Yep. And Kindle. Okay. All right. That's good. Yeah. It, we went hardcover and for ours and, and Kindle. Uh, and then somebody right after was like, were well, you going to do audio? And I was like, stop. Like we did hardcover. Stop, stop the insanity. <laughs> I, we, we've got him. I mean, uh, Tony, um, just his career at, at John Deere. And recently, I think we've seen a lot of stories um, about John Deere as a technology company. I would say Tony has been an instrumental part of that vision to transform the company from an iron company mm. to a technology company. And so as a uh, Tony, I'll let you tell the story, but, but he travels, you know, Brazil, Kenya, um, you know, all over the world. Um, and so we have folks, India, um, you know, sending us pictures. We got our hard copy. Um, and, uh, you know, am I doing this right? Translates pretty well. Um, right. That's good. Okay. So what was the most that we're going to get into content? Cause I'm yeah. really excited to get this out, but what was the most surprising thing that came out of this book for you guys? Like, Whoa, this is unexpected. It, a little bit was the late, the latter career consumption seemed to really resonate with a lot of people that it, it was more timeless advice than what we thought. We thought first 10 years would be the and it still is. I think the first 10 years or the grad school or the, you know, college aged students, but we're getting lots of feedback and lots of grounding from people that, you know, wished they would have had this earlier in their career, but it's very useful right now. Or those going through transitions mm -hmm. or those just feeling like they need a fresh start in their career. 
that that to me is a welcome that's a great welcome feedback um and then quite honestly the i never would have picked out from our focus groups i kind of can get the finance one but i looked at finances more tactical in nature and like okay yeah that would be good advice early in a career um but i never would have guessed the citizenship one and the the pull towards kind of a, a yearning to be something other than a career something other than about myself mm. from our focus groups who were largely in that college age to 20 to 25 year range the yearning to be a part of something bigger than themselves was loud in our focus groups those are a few of the surprises that i got uh matthew or jeff yeah, um, I'll, I'll jump in and turn it to Jeff. I would say that there was two main surprises. Um, and the first one is we structured these chapters. It starts with a, a story from Tony. Then Jeff and I are, are academics and, and we reviewed the literature for best practices. We call them leading practices. Then we feature the stories of the leaders uh, that provided the, the data, the quotes, and we quote over 200, uh, you know, individuals in this book, you know, real meaty and impactful stories. But then here's, uh, I would say the biggest surprise for me was um, we always ended the, the chapter with reflection questions. And in the book, we gave space to journal, to reflect. And, and Tony, I think, coined this phrase, but, you know, we have three authors um, that wrote the book. We have almost a thousand leaders who, you know, co-authored with us to pour their stories in, but it's not complete until the writer uh, until the reader, you know, writes their own story in that book. Um, and it, those, right. those reflection questions, um, again, I, I use this as a textbook in, in a class of 250. I can't tell you how powerful the reflections are with these students and their lives, what, what they've been going through, obviously, you know, post pandemic, um, you know, how they conceive of their self image, how they describe their aspirations and their goals. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are just pouring themselves out in the pages of this book and the power of the questions. Aaron Philip was probably the most surprising and, and delightfully pleasantly surprising uh for me i've got one other but um jeff i'm gonna i'm gonna welcome you and if you want to hop in here yeah i think um since matthew and i both teach lots of international topics as we were putting the book together we did have some concern about you know how universal is this going to be uh, will everyone relate to it in the same way? Are we going to be able to hit diverse audience? Um, and thus far, uh, from India to Brazil, in South Africa two weeks ago, and took the book with me and gave out some copies, um, we've been pleasantly surprised and I think delighted that uh, there, there are some common elements, no matter where you are in the world, about the challenges that we face uh, and the sorts of questions we wrestle with uh, and so I think a pleasant surprise has been uh, the degree to which people all over uh, have been benefiting from the text and the exercises. That's awesome. For you guys, all you guys, because when you write a book like this, it has to be, I know like you're putting your own experiences in there and what you guys have learned and the data that you've pulled, but it has to be therapeutic. And just like you go through therapy, you learn stuff from yourself. Like you're going over stuff that you've already lived, but like re going through it, you have to like see it in a different light and learn something. So like for you guys, what's like your biggest takeaway? Like read going through this again. Mm. Tony. 
Yeah, my my big takeaway, great, great question, Aaron. My big takeaway was very reflective in nature, and that was how the my purpose had changed over time. Mm-hmm. I evolved from a a, a son to a, a brother uh, to a student to a employee to a husband to a father, you know, then to a citizen in the community, kind of, and then a leader that you know shoulders more over time. It it made me reflect deeply on my purpose. And, you know, we come across these tools in the book that we share. And one of them is I like to talk to people about is a 90 day test. And it like get your get your calendar out. How did you live your last 90 days? And this writing, putting that into this book reminded me of that. And I I look back, how did I live the last 10 years of my life? You know, and, and now I'm near in the twilight of my career. You know, how did I live my career and how do I want to live the next few years of my life? That was deeply impactful. And you you start to sense that mm. when you take on a project like this, that's supposed to reflect the best that's in you over time. And uh, the purpose one hit me hard. And it I can't tell you exactly when it hit me, but it was it was in the multiple manuscripts and you know, starting to re- look like a mirror and reflecting my life in these manuscripts. And I'm like, you know, am I really living the life I, I want to lead and with intention and with, right. you know, where I, where I want to be in the world? That was a, that was a great uh, exercise for me in this process. Awesome. Right. Kudos to you. Cause I think the, the best leaders are the ones that learning the most. And so you're writing this book, but also applying the principles in your own life. So that's powerful. And I would say that you guys mentioned this, but like the joy is in the journey a little bit. Aaron and I just shot a podcast of like, there's, there's a gift in the grind, like sometimes in the trenches, like it'll, the trials that you have one to like, it, it produces like endurance and character and steadfastness all these things that only a trial that can can really produce because somebody who's like always had exactly what they wanted don't doesn't have the grit and determination uh but for me just there is something of just like stop pause take a look around even when it's hard because this might be the biggest gift in and of itself right? Is understanding how things are working, using a team, working together. Like there's some really great characteristics that you just don't get in any other aspect other than like, sometimes you just got to one foot over the next and the discipline grinding. And so I love that, that you guys pulled that out and other people seem like it sounds the same way. The the pause principle and Aaron, the way you set up the question, I love it. Listen, I'm I'm just going to call myself a long time listener, first time caller here. Yeah. Uh, when, when we sort of dug you know dug into your site, when when I see sort of what you offer, um, and and you describe one of your services, uh, you know, financial planning, of course, um, but coaching slash therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that we at Bataan, and I will say the the image of the Bataan is a staff that is sort of a walking staff for pilgrims and and shepherds that that sort of represents the journey. It represents curiosity. It represents not only living to work but working to live. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
But at Baton, we do a lot of strategy work. And sometimes, Aaron, when somebody asks me what we do for large multinationals down to, to sort of nonprofits, I say 50% strategy, 50% therapy, mm-hmm. uh, because it's the joy of working alongside folks to, to walk them and with them in that journey. Um, and, and, you know, very directly to your question, I just have to say, the biggest surprise for me in in this physician heal thyself moment, because Jeff and Tony and I still come back to the book when we're having a tough day, we'll go back to adversity and, and resilience. But I would say uh, Tony quickly pointed out that most of the leaders feedback, especially around regrets and, and best pieces of advice revolved around one key concept. I'm going to read a very short quote yeah, from it. a leader. And, and this was, this was a mirror moment. We, you know, I had to look myself in the mirror when, when uh, we wrote this chapter and it's about balance. This leader says, imagine your life as a game in which you're juggling some five balls in the air. You name them work, family, health, friends, and spirit. And you're keeping them all in the air simultaneously. You're going to soon understand that work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, if you drop it, it will bounce back. But the other four balls, family, health, friends, and spirit are made of glass. If you drop one of these, they'll be irrevocably scuffed, marked, nicked, damaged, or even shattered. They're never going to be the same. You must understand that and strive for balance in your life. And that was my biggest surprise that, that wow. that's not just me. It's most of the leaders from all around the world that, that we encountered. Right. I want to see if, did you ever get into like how important a community is? Like, cause I think of like you three seem like you're pretty tight knit. Like you have gone through an experience together. That's going to bond you forever. Were there any things that you pulled out from interviewing all these people that you found that like having a strong community is invaluable? I, I think the writing community is extremely supportive. Other authors were, in fact, I, I put the author, I put the uh, survey out early in the process to start it. I failed to mention the other thing I did was write three letters to three authors that I deeply respected and asked them to serve as our writing coach. And two of them got back immediately with uh, absolutely. And the third one, I think I had the wrong. I <laughs> had the wrong address or something, but they, they, as soon as they heard about it, they're like all in yeah. and we had great coaches. We had people that were willing to dedicate in order amounts of time to deeply mark up early drafts, hmm. the generosity and support that we received. Once we explained what we were trying to create and what we were doing was, was also overwhelming. And that sense of community and sense of support for people that are trying to do something like this, I'll tell you what, I'm never, I'm never going to forget it because the day somebody asks me for help, when they take on something complex, difficult, I'm there for them. Mm-hmm. Like, all they need to do is ask and I'll be there. So cool. It's such an awesome experience because I've always said that it's interesting when I, you ask someone for help or you want to like, int- you know, dig into like what they have going on, and when they come back to you with help, it's such a character, like really showing their character, how good of a person they are. Cause it seems like everybody today is like, Oh, I don't want to help you. Like I got my own thing or like, I don't want to tell you my secret. Like that makes my secret sauce. And it's like, I don't think really any of us have a secret sauce. 
Except for the fact we just want to help one another. Yeah. But if we can right. spread that, I can only help so many people. Phil right. can only help so many people. Right. Like you guys can only help so many people. But like by spreading the knowledge, right. and it's cool because when you guys find that, and then it's awesome to hear that the author community is just like that. Yeah, not only that, but like you've given people tools to apply what they're learning in the book. Like I gotta give you kudos to that because a lot of times people just write the book, but like you guys want people to actually change and write your own story in the book, literally. <laughs> And and how powerful that will be for them after they've read the book. Uh, I really, I appreciate that. So, and I just job. have to jump in, Philip, the, Aaron, what you said, um, asking someone for help. Listen, we're, we're five guys. Um, and, and I would say having raised two young men, um, sometimes asking for help can be kind of difficult. Um, and I've told them, you know, over and over and over, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Uh, we call it, it's generative. Mm -hmm. If I ask Philip for help, um, that generates sort of honor, respect, teamwork, you know, solidarity. Um, and it creates mm -hmm. more than it imposes on someone else for something. Um, and, and that, that, that togetherness, that teamwork, we, we write about it in the teamwork and the relationships chapter. Mm -hmm. um, it, you're not needy. You're not dependent. Uh, you know, asking for help is, is a sign of respect and it generates more depth to that relationship. So 200%. That's awesome. I love that you described it like that because I would not have described it that well. <laughs> but I, I'm because even me, like I'm a meathead and I, I still even fall into this. I'm sure guys in general fall into this. Like, Asking for help is hard. It's hard. Right. Yeah. It shouldn't be. But. And it's very, very, very serious thing when, if you think about leaders, what leader hasn't had a little help in their career during a moment of doubt or a moment of like lack of self-confidence or early stages of trying to get your feet on the ground? Right. Who, who hasn't had that? And a big feature of the book is to provide a reference group from global leaders everywhere to for them to warm up to. And we've had some very heartwarming um, testimonials come back to us about younger people finding their voice earlier in their life. And, and really that's kind of what we were after is mm. you are not alone and you're not, you are living your life with, there's not going to be another one like it. The fingerprints that you're going to, Carry and what you're going to place on the world are going to be uniquely yours, but other people have been through other things and you can learn from other people's experience to heighten and uh, enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. I, I just love the quote that I received from a CEO of uh, Mutual of Omaha, and he, he probably said it best. He said early in his career, he asked a mentor to, to, for help, you know, in the next five years of his career. He said, I wish I had this book then. I learned on my own the value of hard work, humility, sharing success with others, empowerment, and teamwork. But I believe I would have gotten there faster and with less anxiety and less stress with this book in hand. That captures in a, in a nutshell all of the advice we pulled together from global leaders and we just want people to see it, use it. They're not alone. Yep. And go forward in your journey. It's your journey. Rock on, man. Right. It's funny. I, I was doing a podcast and somebody said, when somebody passes away, a library burns. 
And you guys are trying to, yeah, that's deep, huh? But you guys are trying to like unlock those stories and then help the next person achieve what they want to achieve faster. So like, I got to tell, how do you get your hands on this book? I'm dialed in. I want to read this bad boy. Um, listen, uh, we, we distribute, um, on Amazon, sort of the, the, the global repository for all books. You can come to our website, doing this right books.com. Um, and there may be even a link there to, to get a signed copy shipped personally. Go. If you wanted to inscribe for some folks, let's go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we, we are, I think touring, uh, bookstores, uh, in your local area. If, if, if you do have a bookstore that, that you feel like, it would be a good, uh, you know, feature or, or even organizations. What we've found, like we said, is, is retail book selling is a tough business. Um, Amazon isn't the play. Amazon is not the play. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, but, but speaking to groups is just a phenomenally, um, beneficial, um, you know, way to, to take intimacy and scale it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you can talk to one another sort of in a group setting and then one-on-one, uh, that's fantastic. Also, I will say a lot of universities are adopting this book sort of for, um, you know, one of our taglines at one point, uh, Tony, if you'll remember was, you know, this is everything that business school never taught you. Yes. How do you network? How yes. do you, how do you, you know, maintain your commitments? Um, how do you have good resilience and teamwork? So, uh, there's lots of ways to get the book. That would have been amazing for me. I'm like ADD and everything coming out of school, like having like a good yeah. pathway for right. that, man, instead of learning the hard way. I'm glad you guys are getting traction because here's the, at the end of the day, like it was a sacrifice for you guys to publish this book. Right. Like, I mean, financially, and, and we already talked about it, like, you don't really do this to get paid, but if it can help somebody like, oh yeah, I'll put a lot more money into this. Right. And so I just want to edify you guys and just kind of encourage you guys, like the way that you're doing it and why you're doing it is, is super encouraging. And like, I want to be able to definitely love that you're on the show. Um, but I would love to encourage, like, I would love to help as much as I can just to help you guys impact more people. Cause that's what it's all about. Like we're not doing this for our own glory. We're doing this so people can learn and understand and go faster and where they want to go because we all benefit from it. If we all can just help each other. So I, I think uh, one of your services you should put on your website is therapy for recovering art uh, authors. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. Well, we do appreciate the invitation because, you know, A's at home and A's at work, man, it's, you want to live a good life and, you know, it's not all about a career. It's, it's a successful career and a fulfilling life. And that's the subtitle of the book. Yeah. Um, Foundations for a successful career and a fulfilling life in that proportion that you desire. Right. Man, there's something for everybody in this book. I hope you, the listeners, go out, go to their website, uh, get the signed copy. Uh, yeah, it's going to be worth it. This is amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, all of you, for all your time. Thank you for this small amount of time that we have. I'm a big fan. Uh, thank you. You've been listening to the Uncommon Wealth Podcast. I've been your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Aaron Kramer. Till next time, go be uncommon. That's all for this episode. Brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.